Test. All right, we are live. Joshua, ah, you're up. All right, thank you very much. So tonight we're talking about the six remembrances. Uh, the six remembrances, for those who are not aware, are six different things from Scripture where God tells people to remember. Remember this, remember that. And the uh, sages of Israel have um, collated those and, and, and pared them down to six uh, specific ones that are particularly important. God says remember things a lot of times, but these six are especially important. Now, these are in our sitter, right? They are. And, we're praying in the morning. and the reason they're in your sitter is because some traditions consider them so important, they believe that you should recite them like basically every day, or at least every weekday. I can't recall if they're in the Shabbat section or not, but I know that they're in the, uh, the weekday. Um, and, uh, and so I... Um, it's appropriate to remember these right now because there have been a couple of different Shabbats recently that are tied into these. Most importantly, Shabbat Zakor, which was the Shabbat of Remembrance. Um, so, Gregory, I know that you pray these regularly, so I'm not going to ask you this question, but can anyone else tell me what the six things are we remember? I forgot. Do <laughs> 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 you remember the Sabbath? Right? Do you remember... Not to forget to remember what Amalek did to Israel. There we go. And I think that's that I remember. Ex Exodus from Mitzrayim. Yes. Right? Yes. Exodus. Remember what happened to Miriam. Right? So we got Exodus from Egypt, Mid uh, Miriam. <clears throat> we got two more. Uh, the babies. We got the Sabbath. There you got that one. The wilderness, uh, the wandering in the wilderness. Remember what Amalek did to you? You got yeah, that one already. You're not too far off. It's, it's, actually, it's kind of funny. The two that are left are one of the highest spiritual moments in the Torah and one of the lowest spiritual. Yeah. The giving of the, uh, the giving of the Torah. Torah yes, yeah. right. It's one, and the other one is. Good God! There we go. Got so it. we did remember them all. Thank goodness. Bum, 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 we can all leave bum, now. Bum, bum. My my work is done. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, the thing that was interesting to me that I, as I dug into these um, six remembrances, so like I said, some some um, uh, parts of Judaism consider them so important they believe you should recite them regularly. Um, and in fact, uh, um, we'll talk about it a little bit more in a minute. But the very first one, the remember the Exodus from Egypt, is so important, so very important that actually it is specifically highlighted during our recitation of the Shema. They point out in the third stanza, the one about tzitzit, there's a reference at the very end. Remember that God took you from the land of Egypt. Mm -hmm. And the sages, like, appears to be universally are saying, this is a commandment to fulfill every day. You absolutely have to do that one. So whether you have to remember all six or just the first one, the point is, these are really, really, really important. The thing that stood out to me, looking at this a little more closely and thinking about it some more, is that if you look at those, they're all scripture. If you look at the scripture references for each one, every single one of them is a memory to the person that's being commanded to remember. Five out of the six are in the book of Deuteronomy. As we know, the book of Deuteronomy is told to the generation that came out of Egypt or their kids. Their kids. Their kids. The generation that came out of Egypt, they're gone. Deuteronomy specifically begins with Moses saying, okay, now it's time to go to the land of Israel. Let me tell you what happened before, to the last generation. Of the five that are in Deuteronomy, all except for Shabbat, the other, the other five, all of them occurred in the previous generation's existence. The Miriam one is the last one, I believe, and it occurs right before, according to, the, if you take that part of Numbers chronologically, and I know Rashi has some issues with that, 
But um, I can't recall if this one's one of the issues or not. But the point is, if you take it chronologically into Scripture, Miriam occurs right before the sin of the spies. So um, that's when that generation not comes to an end, but their biblical story mostly comes to an end. So that, um, that means that five out of the six were not things necessarily that remembered firsthand by the generation told to remember them. They were being, perhaps they may have been children when they happened, but they were not, um, they were not uh, considered old enough to go out to war. They were not counted in the previous generation. So I thought that was kind of cool because um, that means that God's not telling us to do something that's tougher than the people he told it to. The, people, the first generation that had to remember these things, they also had to remember them. Did, and the, yeah, your point is they didn't experience them themselves and have that as a memory to live off of. Right, right, exactly right. right. Which is what, if you remember Yeshua, when he's talking about this, he, this concept of memory versus um, faith, he references to the disciples, you know, blessed are those who have not seen yet believe, right? So there is a blessing to having not experienced it, but, but um, having this memory. The sixth item, by the way, is Shabbat, which, of course, dates all the way back to creation, so nobody remembers that one. Um, so all six are memories. More importantly, they're communal memories. I think that's also very important. As we think about these things, you can look at these six, and you can ask yourself, well, what does this mean for me? Mm. You know, sin of the golden calf, I didn't do that, so my grandfather didn't do that. Even if I'm Jewish, you have to go back, like, 20 generations to get to that point. So... Why is it relevant? Well, I think, number one, it's communal. This is what happened to our people. Yeah, we killed somebody on the Sabbath for breaking it. Right, so we remember the Sabbath day. You know, when you, when you celebrate Pesach, hopefully this Friday night, you are going to be encouraged, according to tradition, to think of it as though you yourself have come out of Egypt. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be a first-person experience. Um, and the idea of that is to make it personal, to make it really meaningful to you. But at the same time, in these, it's also communal. So we're thinking about it as a nation. And i got a lot of examples of this. The United States actually has so many of these built into its culture. So remember the exodus from Egypt is, this, is really where you came from. It's how you got here. It's how you became a nation. So what would that sound like? Independence Day. Independence Day. Every single year, we remember. Now, were you there in 1776? Because I sure wasn't. But that doesn't matter. Randy, point to me. What's up with that? <laughs> you actually are the oldest person in the room. <laughs> you can't necessarily tell because he looks so young and spelt, but, I mean... Yeah, it's very young. It's very young. You know. Uh, but I'm pretty sure the guy next to you is younger than you. Were you so there? A, no. He wasn't there. So 1776 is, is, uh, is a memory we remember as a country. Yeah. So remember communally. It's not a personal memory. It's a communal memory. But it's important as a communal memory because it tells us who we are and that as a we... It's not just I, it's a we, and this is part of the we, the definition of the we. Um, the other ones, there's a couple other ones too. If you think about it, really, each, all six are really critical, I would say, to any people group. So you have the things like Independence Day. Um, the, remember the, giving the Torah about Sinai, which is interesting about that is God does not say, remember the Torah, which I gave to you at Mount Sinai. Mm -hmm. He specifically says, remember the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai. That's a good point. So when I thought more about it, I thought this... This to me, and by the way, I'm, I'm on a roll here, but feel free to jump in at any time. Yeah. Um, this to me feels like... Constitution? Or the Declaration you of Edison? You got, you got them all, right? Yeah. The, the point is... 1871. What do you... It's, it's the awe of what you're founded upon. Yeah. Not just the document that, or, the, or the event that shaped you as a country, but remember why it's so important. Yeah. The, the reverence for it. Yeah. 
And if you think about that, absolutely, the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, I mean, they're put behind glass in a museum, right? Oh, so you can go yeah. see it. Um, and the, uh, there's an entire movie about hard, how hard it is to steal the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> they made it look uh, easy. What? They made it look easy. They made it look easy, but it's a movie. Um, but then I think about all the, like, the Pledge of Allegiance. So, you know, in school, at least they used to, I don't know if they still do this, but they used to all have, all the kids stand up, put their hand on their heart, and recite the Pledge of Allegiance. Again, there's an awe for this. When certain members who I will not name on this podcast, uh, the National Football League chose to kneel during the Pledge of Allegiance, or the, the Star-Spangled Banner, I should say, um, that was seen as a real sign of disrespect. And the reason is because there's an awe, there's a reverence about why we're here as a country. And I think that that's true, what God's really getting at. We'll look at the scripture a little more closely later. But he's really hitting on, to the, if you want to keep the Torah, it's important to remember how serious the Torah really is. Not just to remember what the Torah says. Mm. Um, so, okay, so this is really interesting because we have two members of this group in this, in this room right now that actually were not here firsthand for the most recent event involving our enemies that was particularly significant. And I'm wondering if, Micah or Josiah, you can think of an event that happened before you were born that was that helped us realize who our enemies were. A very serious attack on this country. Russia. 9-11. 9-11. Now, what's amazing is that I remember it like it was, well, not yesterday, maybe two weeks ago. I mean... I have very clear memories of that day and how I felt. I was getting haircut. And most people remember where they were. But you didn't exist yet. So how do you know about it? Because it has been memorialized in history books and basically everything. Right. We talk about it a lot, don't we? Um, and the previous generations would have been like Pearl Harbor, right? I mean, this would have been... Or, or possibly for your generation, it might have been the assassination of JFK. JFK sure. Or possibly um, for my generation, it might have been something like the, the you know the, the falling of the Berlin Wall or the, the attempted assassination of John Paul II, the Pope. Oh, there we go. That's something that's huge too. I mean, and if we go back far enough, we have things like uh, the uh, you know the assassination of Abraham Lincoln or the, or the Civil War. I mean, goodness gracious, we're still remembering the Civil War. So the point is that, um, which by the way, I don't think it's such a problem, but, my, but I, I digress. No. The point is that um, it's very, it's the important thing to say is that knowing who you're not <clears throat> is also important to know who you are. Mm -hmm. And societies memorialize events that help us define our enemy. People who were not even born then know about the history with a pretty good amount of detail. Yeah, I would uh, interject that most liberal mindsets want to avoid calling anyone an enemy. <laughs> That's true. To their own detriment. And yet, some you know, people did some things. Yeah, some things. <laughs> but you know what's Don't funny about started, that? Right. You know what's funny about that? As true as that is, there is one enemy that everyone, almost everyone, there's a small minority, all agree is an enemy, and it shows up in movies all the time. And who is it? Corporations. What was that? Hitler. Hitler, yes, no. the Nazis. Even the liberals, in the, at least in cinema, recognize the <laughs> Nazis were bad. The, well, the unfortunate truth about that, so um, Morgan had found a organization that its sole existence is instructing people to instruct 
students about the Holocaust because mm-hmm. there is a staggering percentage of people that think it was just cinema. That it really? was actually all fake. Yeah. Wow, that's so sad. Yeah, like a, a shockingly high yeah, number. Almost, almost like, you know, the, the moon landing. Right. You shot at Roswell or something like that. Well, and this actually goes back to the whole point of what we're talking about, though, right? You have to memorialize these things. You have to make it part of the, 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 culture, the culture to sure. remember. But if a, a vast majority, I mean, uh, in the month, month of March, more people came into our country illegally than the population of the capital of New York. More people came into our country illegally a lot of people. across the southern border than the population of Albany. That's one month. Hmm. So it's, it's not um, out of the realm of possibility any longer that <coughs> these things that we hold to be self-evident truths and so forth are becoming myths or forgotten things or some Un- guys no. did Un- something unimportant meaningless right. to those right. to those people correct the fact that something happened on 9-11 they did something mm-hmm. is telling well, or, or even like almost like the dispensational mindset where it's like well that was important then but right. this is now Right. right. Well, I think that, I think there's a tendency for young people yeah. a lot of times too is to kind of dismiss the past because it's not what happened to them, so it's irrelevant. Um, but I think that this lesson teaches that that's not true. That the past is very important, especially Agreed. for as a society. Agreed. So the other the other ones is that just kind of to, to give you a bite sized idea of what these might look like. Remembering where you came from, remember the awe of what you were founded upon. Remember your enemy. I think that remember this golden calf is really remembering your failings. And most countries have something that they're kind of ashamed of. But that ends up actually significantly shaping the way that they, they, they think moving forward. Go ahead, Josiah. Like the Civil War. Exactly right. That's exactly what I was thinking. Slavery in this country is, and, and the civil rights problems that happened up until the 1960s, um, the serious systemic problems, I should say. Not that everything's perfect now, but it's a lot better. Um, that significantly impacts our culture today. Not just in cinema or in music, but also in the way that we... Uh, there are laws on the book that are specifically in relation to these types of things. There's entire you know, political campaigns that circle around how we're supposed to adjust to the ramifications of that, I, I some would, of which is way overboard. I, I would go further and say that America as a, as a country and as a culture has done everything possible to undo mm. and to live moving forward jettisoning, jettisoning those former norms. They've really done an extraordinary job. I would argue that this has been demonstrated geopolitically across the globe as we elected a black president. Right, right. That's simply untenable in the culture that you just described. Untenable. Right, but but my point that I was trying to get... Couldn't use the bathroom in the White House. Right, right. Right. right, exactly right, exactly right. And I think that the way you get to that place, the way you have a culture shift that dramatic is that you you do, to some degree, not forget the things you did wrong as a culture. And you acknowledge as a culture this was wrong. And that, I think, is part of the point of the Golden Cap. We'll talk more about that later. We may, by the way, have to finish halfway and finish, you know... Nobody has a problem with that. But, yeah, we'll see how we take the other thing I think about Miriam, I think it's also important to remember that our leaders are fallible. 
Um, and, and specifically, maybe that their leaders are human. I think that's one of the things that's fascinating about this country. George Washington was, you know, legend has it, was offered the opportunity to be king. I mean, he, he was high stuff. Everyone wanted him. Not only did he not do that, he chose to be president for, uh, I think it was just two terms, mm-hmm. and actually stepped down. There was no term limits at that point, but he chose not to run again. He tried to at the first one. He tried, yeah, because he didn't want it to be about him. And I think that that's also something we learn a little bit from the what happened to Miriam is to realize that our leaders can make mistakes and that they should be held to a high standard. They are, and so that ultimately the point I'm getting at is that they're human. George Washington recognized he was human and he set that standard as a positive way for all the leaders to come after him, basically. I, I would go further to say that I, I agree with what you're saying. Um, but I think what we see in Scripture is that there was not only an acknowledgement forced as it was, um, that there was a failing in the leadership. But I'm astonished at the reaction of the people. They chose not to move. Right. They waited. Right. And wanted their leader to be restored. Right. Um, and if you're watching today's political dialogue, we've, we've fallen so far. Yeah, I think that this is definitely a lesson this country has not learned very well. Um, whether it's or has forgotten, maybe, but I don't know. I even think back um, to situations like, uh, or at least more recent ones. I think about Richard Nixon, for example. Um, the country was more shocked yeah. and bothered than necessarily learning from that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there were some lessons from that, but I don't know if they were all um, personalized. But when President Clinton was going through his scandals, um, most people shrugged and almost, or, or rather pointed at it and said, oh, thank goodness, I'm not so bad. Look what he's doing. And well, that's not the lesson we should be learning. And I think further, the, not only have the people drawn down, um, but in the case you, you cited, the leader himself chose not to say, yeah, I'm not fit. I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've erred. It would be better for the country to maintain the high standard of morality and decorum in the Oval Office. He chose not to do that and set yet another standard. Mm-hmm. Not to throw him under the bus, because you could pick anybody you want, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's sad. So along those lines, then, why do you think Miriam? Because Moshe failed and couldn't go into the land. That would have been a big one. If that well, was the lesson to remember. I think there's a couple things. Well, I, I was taking the, from a, to try to apply to the United States, I think I was taking a little bit of that focus of that, of the leadership failing component. But I think that for Miriam, probably in that regard, I think God is number one trying to show that there's no one escapes, right? There's no, he's, he, he, is, he holds everyone accountable. But to your point, Moses also fails and has a, has a pretty severe punishment. Why is we not remembering him? I think the reason that personally, is number one, I think that Miriam's failure is a very, very pervasive one. So it's a specific thing that God's trying to crush within this. Number two, her her failing actually involves attacking leadership. Her 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 slander against Moses is actually a case of failing to respect the leader. So it's actually a double whammy. It's really, if you think about it, in in modern society, um, it would almost be like, you know, what a, how a country might respond to a failed coup attempt. Almost, It's kind of like, you know, you want to memorialize that or internalize that to some degree because it's like, well, we don't want to be that. that that's against our 
our standard, and we want to make sure we recognize the authority of the person who's in charge. It's very important to do that, and I guess maybe that's why. Um, so I mean, thinking about it from our country, in our country, it's probably more on the positive side that, like I think about George Washington as an example, I feel like he set a, a good standard for honoring the office, honoring the, the position to make it something that's worth remembering in that regard. Um, for Miriam, I think it's, it's also a reminder that we have, we have a duty to honor those who are our leadership. So I think that's why maybe that one, more so than Moses, I don't know how well the Moses one extrapolates to the average person. In fact, the sages struggle with what it was exactly that Moses did wrong. Not that they, they recognize he didn't obey God. He hit the rock and so forth. But they try, they try to figure out why did that deserve such a severe punishment? Because it was one time, and yes, it was in front of the people, but did the people even know that he wasn't supposed to do that? And there's a lot of different, you know, so there's all sorts of midrashes, midrashim, about this. Someone has spoken. We have a comment. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. You're right, Moshe's is a, a pretty specific instance as opposed to addressing a very uh, cancerous type of sin. Right. One that could easily be spread and thought of as being okay if not dealt with very publicly. Right. Similar to Shabbat, right? Yeah. You have the guy who's gathering six and it's yeah. like, okay. We don't want anyone to see that and think that's okay. There's Absolutely a very right. severe punishment here. Similar with Miriam, that, that actually but, does make sense. But if you think about Moshe, like you said, you know, even the sages can't really figure out what was wrong. Right. And yeah. what happened? Privately, he's told on the mountain, you ain't going over. So, take a look. Right. And so I think that I think that um, the Miriam one, another important thing, you mentioned the cancerous element of this. I think that's another key component here. Um, and we'll talk about it a little bit later. Um, Lashon Ra, speaking evil speech, attacks the community. It does damage to the community. So of all of the different sins that someone was publicly punished for in Scripture, that at this time anyway, that would probably be one of the mo most important ones. It's going to be something that's potentially pervasive. It addresses the honor that should be given to the leadership. And at the same time, it's also something that that's going to hurt the community as a group. And all six of these, I believe, are really about forming that communal like experience, that mm -hmm. culture we are talking mm -hmm. about earlier, that's so important. And, the, and oh, did I say the last one? Rock's online, second? so don't, don't talk about it. Exactly right. Are you, uh, any comments from Brock? Um, no, the sixth item, the remembering the Shabbat, I personally translated this to. Remember what makes you different. You know, Shabbat is a distinguishing factor for the Jewish people, um, and it identifies them with God. And the comparison that I gave for our country was like Star Spangled Banner, because I really think that at the end, what's the, what's the last line of the Star Spangled Banner? In the home of the brave. Right? Land of the free and the home of the brave. And the, that component, land of the free and home of the brave, it probably, over the course of our history, has perhaps best defined this country. Freedom is like the most number one important virtue over practically anything else. Independence in general, you gotta be, you gotta be, be for you, think for you, don't let anyone else tell you what to do on some of the negative side of that. But the point is, it's extremely important in our country as a virtue. Bravery, not as much anymore, but for the longest time, it was also a very significant virtue. I mean, all of the different things that, that we do to honor our military, veterans, we have 
two different holidays that are bank holidays dedicated just to the military. One to those who passed, that'd be Memorial Day. As my father wants to remind me, that's not his holiday. Um, (laughs) And as as a veteran, he's honored on Veterans Day, which is in November. So the point is, after uh, summarizing all this, I think these six remembrances help us help us not only remember with the people of Israel, but also become part of the people of Israel. I think it's a struggle for Gentiles sometimes to identify. And if we remember these things as though they happened to our people, because they did, then I think that helps us grasp that culture that is helping to shape what, what the Jewish people have, have lived with for the last thou- several thousand years. Mm-hmm. I, I love what you're saying. I think I think Shabbos is is deeper. I, think, I agree. I think Shabbos is the culture itself. You know, the sages saying, you know, is it is it that the the Jews have kept the Shabbos, or is it that right. Shabbos has kept the uh, the Jews? Do you want to turn that to whatever thing it's supposed to be on? We too quiet. Which one? It should be here. Um, that should be all the way up. Everywhere clockwise, right? Yeah, there you go. Okay, don't, don't hurt yourself. And then, um, that's fine. That's, yeah, yeah. And then on the other side, it should be whatever icon makes it look like it's going everywhere at 360 degrees. I think we got that. Okay, because, okay. yeah. It's so actually a regularly the, scheduled program. The audio. Was the audio light? Yes. Yeah, well, ask whoever said that if it was any better now. It oftentimes is slight, but yeah, I will but be my best. Jacket uh, when I save it with my so, with my loud voice. So I, I would, you know, I'm. I don't know. Baseball used to be, sorry, the America's pastime. It was. It was it. It was. It was the culture. It was the thing, and you know, I I just Shabbos seems to be, you That's know, really. Example. What's your what's your what's your first play? about that but that makes a big difference how about now <laughs> hopefully that worked so um i'm going to borrow a little something that i saw online that's really cool from torahmusings.com torah musings musings nice. i can't i can't comment on how quality their general teachings are but this one that i happened to look at was really cool they tied in the six remembrances to the six constant mitzvot so if oh, you're not cool. familiar with the six constant mitzvot there are six commandments that according to judaism you should basically have in your life at all the time and they more or less they boil down to mindsets is really the way that i would describe them they're not necessarily active things you're doing but they're ways of thinking that should be shaping the way that you make all your decisions yeah they're they're initiators yeah they're they're, they're yeah exactly right so these um six constants vote interestingly enough there is a tradition i don't know if it's created by art scroll or if it's actually more long-standing tradition to read about the six constants vote during the uh, the and counting of the Omer, yeah. which we're about to start, um, starting again. So yeah. if you don't have the book, highly recommend the six yeah. constants yeah. vote. Um, it's really really good. I think it's Art Scroll. It is Art Scroll, and uh, it's probably virtually impossible for you to get it in time unless you order either tonight or tomorrow morning. Better go because they're going to be closed move now, pretty move now. soon. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's but if you get it a little bit late, just catch up. You got literally seven weeks to read it. But anyway, it's a really, really good book. Um, so they what they said is they linked the requirement for believing in God was linking to the Exodus from Egypt, 
Uh, in fact, that's actually the first commandment in the Ten Commandments. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Um, they yeah, talked about. That's one of the six. Uh, that's one of the, the four things we're going to do in the in the Seder, right? I will be your God. Right, right. right? He, Exodus 6, 6 and 6, 7. Exactly. And the second uh, mitzvah of not to believe in anything besides God, they said, they correlated that to the golden calf, which makes sense. Um, believing in the oneness of God, they correlated to um, the giving of the Torah at the time at which the Jewish people said, Adonai is one, Adonai echad. Um, love that one must have for God, they connected to Shabbat, um, and interestingly enough, it's I don't know. The bride, the bride is. The yeah, I think that bride. that makes sense. Their, their their reference was not as clear to me, but saying you, Lord our God, and your love gave us the Shabbat, so it was actually God's love to us. But mm. you know, we love Him because He first loved us. Um, uh, fearing God, which is one of the six consonants vote, was connected to Amalek, who we're told did not fear God. Mm. And lastly, um, not straying after desires of hearts. The TorahMusings.com connected that to Miriam. Uh, because our hearts and thoughts lead to evil speech, which is interesting enough, again, I don't know that they would say this, but Yeshua makes that very point, that out of the heart comes forth all sorts of things. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So let's dig into some... James. Oh, right, yeah, James. That's right, yeah. Let's dig into some scripture. So I hope you have some Bible-type resources available. Um, well, you brought the fat one. Good. <laughs> nice. I brought the skinny one. Um, I like a good a good physical book to hold every now and again. It's just it makes me feel like I'm still alive. <laughs> we're not we're not just figments of someone's you know digital imagination. Um, so someone start with me. Deuteronomy five, verses fourteen through fifteen. I got it. Talking about the remembrance the remembrance of the Exodus from Egypt. So these are some references that'll highlight some of the importance of this. Let's see if you connect a theme here. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You, or your son or your daughter, or your male servant or your female servant, or your ox or your donkey, or any of your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well with you, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Can't get a whole lot bigger than that. Bam. The, the, the foundation for the reason <clears throat> why you should be obligated to keep Sabbath is the exodus from Egypt. It is absolutely critical. Um, but there's other commandments that apply to that too. So uh, someone give me Deuteronomy 16, verse 3. And while you're looking up, someone else look up uh, Leviticus chapter 25, verses 54 and 55. I got it. 16. Okay, go ahead. You shall eat no leavened bread with it. Seven days you shall eat it with unleavened bread, the bread of affliction. For you came out of the land of Mitzrayim in haste, that all the days of your life you may remember the day when you came out of the land of Mitzrayim. There we go. So Pesach, we're about to celebrate, is literally an entire holiday about remembering the Exodus from Egypt. Um, Leviticus 25, 54 through 55. Um, go ahead. Even if he is not redeemed by these means, he shall still go out in the year of Jubilee, he and his sons with him. For the sons of Israel are my servants. They are my servants whom I brought out of the land of Mitzrayim, I am the Lord your God. So the, the Jubilee year, which is about the cancellation of debt, um, God is referencing the reason why I can cancel all of their debt is because you belong to me. And they belong to me because I saved you from Egypt. Um, same chapter, Leviticus 25, 
verses 35 through 38. Uh, 25, verses 35 through 38. We're all going to wait for you, bud. Yeah, just that? Yes. If your brother becomes poor and cannot maintain, maintain himself with you, you shall support him as though he were a stranger and a sojourner, and he shall live with you. Take no interest <coughs> sorry. Take no interest for him or profit, but fear your God, that your brother may live beside you. You shall not lend him money lend him your money at interest, nor give him your food for profit. I think there may be one more verse there, I may have may not have missed that one. I am Adonai your God, who brought you out of the land of misery to give you the land of Canaan, and to be your God. There we go. So charity and how you treat your your fellow countrymen economically is also based on excess mutual. If you think about it, this really does make sense. Each of these things are connected because, like we said, this is how we got here. We are, we, God owns us, so to speak, because of the exodus from Egypt. He redeemed us, using that, that term. And as a result of that, we owe him not only um, to obey him in a generic sense, but our material goods, our time, our relationship with other people, these are all things that belong to him, effectively, based on the fact that he saved us from Egypt. Um, the, in fact, just as a side reference, if you, if you pray through the, uh, the, the fill-in references in the morning, the, both the first two in Exodus refer to the uh, giving of the firstborn, the, uh, the, the sacrifice of the firstborn animals, and then also the offering on behalf of the firstborn son. And those also tie back to the, to the Exodus from Egypt. So it's, a, it's an absolutely foundational element to our faith. And if you don't know that, and all people in this room do, but if you happen to be listening and you don't know that, I strongly encourage you to celebrate Passover this year and do your best to put yourself in that time frame. And I know that as believers in Yeshua, there's a lot of absolute majestic beauty to the Pesach ceremony from that perspective. Mm-hmm. But don't lose track of why the the, 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 Sabbath, the festival was given originally. And it was given to remember the Exodus from Egypt. That is the first redemption from God. All the rest of them are founded upon that. And if we lose track of that, then we end up undermining even the, the offering of Yeshua, God forbid. Um, speaking of which, if you were to think about how to apply this to that side of our faith, I would say the, uh, the sacrifice of Yeshua is, is the top-notch element there. And it's no surprise that when you look at the epistles... Over and over and over again, you're referencing Yeshua through whose blood saved you, through the faith of the Lord Yeshua who, who died for us and called him to himself. I mean, Paul has like nine different ways he tries to say this True. to either different people he's going to. And the churches uh, who theologically seem to be coming in in the middle of the movie start with that. Right. So it's unparalleled. Right. And, right. Right. So if if we look at the fact that he didn't come in a vacuum, yeah. he came in the context right. of what he had already done for his people. He had already redeemed them. He had already shown them that he was their God. He had, he had already shown them that the firstborn was important to him. And now he sent his own, his firstborn son. And he gives that son. That firstborn son dies just like the firstborn of Egypt. I mean... A lot of beautiful parallels. Yeah. And lamb and the uh, Passover. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, and by the way, it happened on Passover. Oh, yeah. that's yeah. So, I mean, the, you, yeah. God is obviously linking these. And I think that it's important for us to start with the Passover from, the Exodus from Egypt. 
because that tells us how important and serious it is and how we became a country, a people. Then the second event of Yeshua's death and resurrection, I think helps us in that context. We are his people, and this is how we have that close-knit relationship with him. We have the forgiveness with him. We make that, as you referenced earlier, I am, and I will be your God. That's how we get there. So um, I think that that's, that's really important, not to lose track of where we started, but also not to lose track of at the end. It's an army thing, you know. If, if you're going to try and share, you, you're, going to, you're going to see one, and then you're going to teach one, right. you know, and you're going to do one, or actually see one, do one, teach one, right? So we, we see one in the Exodus as we look back, and, and we can read all about it. We can see what's happened. And then he's done one. He did it himself. And the next step is for him to teach one. And not only does, it, does he do that through his word, but the sages say that when Messiah comes, the first thing he's going to do is teach his people how to keep the Sabbath. It's, it's just a beautiful thing as it comes all the way around. Okay. Yeah, they um, look forward to that lesson. Mm-hmm. They, uh, it, and in addition, too, I think that um, it's interesting, if you think about the Gospels, how many Gospels reference the birth of Yeshua? Two. How many Gospels reference the death of Yeshua? All of them. There's a lot of variance in terms of which, which stories make it, or, or not stories, but you know, accounts make it, which ones don't, events in Yeshua's life. Death and resurrection is in every single one of the Gospels because it's absolutely foundational. Amen. Um, so Do you second, know which two? Do you know which two? You're going the right path there, I think. Matthew and Luke? Matthew and Luke. Luke, yes. You knew that, right? Interesting thing is, one of them, he wasn't even there. He, he wasn't even... Uh, direct disciple of Yeshua. Right, that's true. Luke is correct. Recapping from his research, the first uh, biographer, so to speak, at least the first Christian biographer, if you want to call it that. It really does set the stage, to your point, to understand why blood is important, why sacrifice is important, you know, to know, to to really appreciate Paul's references, because like, there was, if you read it in a different way, like, it was a probably a few years ago, where it was kind of like, I, you know, you go through the episode scriptures and you're just like, why is there such an emphasis on the blood? Like, you would think that the death is enough. There's a sacrifice. But there's like, blood is referenced so much. But then that is exactly how it is in Torah too. Blood gets mentioned all the time. The mitzvah not to eat blood is probably repeated five times. And then you've got tons of different things you do with the blood, with the ear, and depending on the ceremony and the blood on the and flicking it seven times, and it's it's just it's all over the place. And so when you grow up, hopefully our children will grow up learning and being accustomed to this is just the way God does this. Like this is this is how he. We just know this is how he does it. It puts Yeshua's sacrifice into such a beautiful context. Mm-hmm that fits in so well instead of being either like strangely you know graphic or you know what I mean like it, it, it takes that away and, and you realize like oh okay this is why this is constantly being referenced right. because it's, it's going back to Torah and back to the first understanding of how God 
how all that works, how atonement works, how redemption works. Amen. Right, and there's a, I think there's a, um, I remember this light bulb moment for myself, there's a tendency sometimes to think that the original event only happened to point to what Yeshua was going to do. But then I had this thought one year where I was thinking about the timing being so perfect for Yeshua's death at this exact sacrifice, sacrificial time on Erev Pesach when they're sacrificing the lambs. I mean, wow, it can't be any more perfect than that. And it's like this light bulb moment. It's like, well, what if it wasn't pointing to Yeshua? And at the same time, Yeshua's not necessarily acknowledging it per se, but that they're both happening at a time in, in space and time that's important to God. Mm. Like, this is when God... Do. Yeah, this is when God does big things. It's an appointed time, yeah. And so I, I think it's important for us to kind of consider both events on their own merits and not to, like I said earlier, I don't want to minimalize the Exodus. I think we just read how often the Exodus shows up is um, as something we should be uh, important to us. And I think it's a mistake sometimes as, as believers in Yeshua to want to make that a second-rate event. Mm. God does say that at some point the Exodus will get overshadowed. But oddly enough, it wasn't Yeshua's sacrifice that would do that. That's a different category. That's true. The other event is apparently going to be the calling in of the exiles from the north, or, or maybe more globally than that, but the point that's going to be the thrust of them. Um, that's going to overshadow the Exodus. And I, I do think that when, you know, people from all over the planet start meeting Yeshua in the air, that's probably going to be a bigger deal. Yeah. So, um, if I could, the, the, uh, we've been to uh, teachings with uh, <coughs> Dr. Gothard where he talks about patterns of sin. Mm. And it's, it's almost like a, mm -hmm. like a record player. Mm -hmm. You know, so the album's going around, and when the needle hits that spot, Every time it goes around, you know, it skips because there's a scratch there, you know. Mm -hmm. And or he teaches that, you know, you've, you've got this, this weakness, this, this, this time cyclically where mm -hmm. there's a, an opportunity. And, and if you can get past that once or twice, you'll, you'll, you'll do better, you know. And I think in, in the opposite way, God early on made it clear that he had these spots on the album that are going around and they were designed to strengthen our faith and uh, I can honestly say that that has been a hallmark of the change in my faith walk since we started this is that those Moedim are, are absolutely precious and strengthen my faith and strengthen my resolve to maintain my testimony and and to keep on keeping on it is almost now becoming a, a, a very personal thing uh, so you know I, it should be I'm, uh, yeah and, I, and I'm, I'm blessed to have many children that are you know always inviting me to their seders and I am not only grateful but honored and thrilled but even if that were not the case, I would be keeping the Passover in my home, even if I were alone with my wife, um, because it is such a precious and wonderful and super time to remember what's, what's been done for me 
-hmm. more than once. Right. Right? And what will be done, again, for me, as he says, that we will become his people. And that means something. It's not just an idle um, Christmas card motif. Right. Right. And, 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 you know, even in Revelation, we get to the very end, what are they singing? The song of Moses and of the Lamb. Right. You know, this, I think, like I said, I, I, I really want to emphasize, and I know we're getting towards the end of our time here, so I'll probably put a pin in the most of the rest of this for next time, but I really want to emphasize the importance of, um, of the exodus from Egypt. And I think, and I hope that as we've talked some more about remembering things, is one of the six remembrances, that, that, that gets highlighted. Like I said, it's part of the Ziti commandment. It's part of the, uh, the, the sacrifice of the firstborn. We've already talked about some of the other ones it's related to. I mean, over and over and over and again, God says, you do this because I was the one who brought you to the land of Egypt. You know, be holy, sign holy, for I have taken you to the land of Egypt. I mean, it's just, this is constant reference to this. But even, even the weekly Sabbath. But it gets referenced as well as connected to it. In fact, that's, that's in the, in the, in the uh, Kiddush yeah. prayers. You yeah. pray. Um, we remember not only is it a remembrance of creation, creation. But well, also remembrance of the Exodus from Egypt. In fact, as you'll see as you go through, if you pray the holiday prayers for Passover, as well as the holiday prayers for the other holidays come up this year, you'll also see those as well, that same reference. This is also remembrance of the Exodus from Egypt. They're all remembrances of the Exodus from Egypt. Uh, because ultimately, each holiday carries within it a component that's only possible when you're free. And if you think about that, that's exactly kind of what, what Paul is getting at um, when he talks about being slave to righteousness. You're a slave to sin. You're going nowhere. You're stuck. You can't do anything that's productive, right? Because you're 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 mired in this inclination towards doing something wrong. When you are a slave to righteousness, then that changes everything in terms of the way that you think, the way that you act, the way that you live, and, and what um, you're striving for, and what you're striving for, and who you're serving ultimately. And, yeah. And Yeshua talks about the fact that you know he, she, he's talking to the people of Israel at the time and saying you know you're you're slaves you're not free. Now once you're free, then you're able to do this stuff. And that's one of the things the sages are talking about the Passover with the Exodus from Egypt, as you, as God Himself said, to bring them out of Egypt that they may serve Me. Because right. as long as you're a slave, you can. And, and that I may bring them in. Right, right. The land of Egypt, uh, Canaan as well. But I think that if you think about it, if you've ever if you've ever worked in a in a, in a situation where you were unable to take a important holiday off or a birth child's birthday or whatever then you know a small taste of what it's like to not have your own freedom so to speak um, to have limitation now, now extrapolate that in a much bigger bigger scale you want to keep Shabbat well not if you're a slave you want to you want to eat kosher well not if you're a slave you're gonna eat what they give you and you're gonna be thankful for it you know, if you want to, you want to do any of the commandments of God, and they talk about that's all idea. Moses is saying we can't offer offerings here. There are people going to stone us, and that's only if you let us offer offerings. So the whole relationship to God is dependent on us being free, and that within that freedom, the fact that God Himself saved us creates that relationship with Him as a people to Him. The sages are very clear. Prior to the Exodus from Egypt and the giving of the Torah Mount Sinai, people of Israel were not a people. You read the commentaries about this stuff, they're a family. It's those experiences that make them into a nation. Yeah. So, we want to cover the other five remembrances in more detail. But rather than rush them as fast as we can now, 
I think we will wait until a future time. Do you want to meet next Tuesday during Pesach? I don't have any problem with that. It is not a high holy day. It's you know, uh, it's a Chol uh, Hamolay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm good. You good? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. You good. You good. So we'll plan to get back together again. It may be a little on the shorter side, but that'll be good. That's good. And we can have more conversation. Thank you all very much. Um, would you mind closing us out in prayer? Oh sure. <clears throat> Father, we're grateful that our heritage is built around remembrance, uh, because you've done so much for us uh, that we need to uh, remember these things, Father not only for our own lives, but so that we can pass them along to our children so they can remember and on to their children. Uh, Father, as we enter into the season of uh, Pesach, uh, we pray, Father, we would have a wonderful time with our families uh, this coming uh, Friday evening and that we would uh, really do our best to immerse ourselves in what you have called us to remember. We pray these in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, our risen Savior. Amen. Amen. I hope you all have, you know, stories to tell from your Seder.